All right. Uh, I want to just be straightforward. And I want to say this is a topic that I never thought I would be talking about um, in, in this type of manner with the church. And, and never that I actually think I would be presenting it this way over uh, over a video recording in, 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 a, in a stream. Uh, so this is a bit unorthodox for me in, in, in a couple of ways. But today we're going to be talking about a very serious topic and, and one that is extremely important for us, not only as individuals in, in the body of Christ, but also as a collective in the way the world sees the glory of God and, and how we as, as Christians can sometimes really, really make a mess of things. Um, so fair warning, because I know this is going out in a, in a different type of media, and I know there may be kids at home. I'm going to be talking about sex. I'm not going to be explicit. I'm not going to be giving any weird graphic images. It's not. I'm going to be strictly sticking to what Paul talks about in, in the text in, in 1 Corinthians. But just so that you guys are aware, that is the topic of today, which is sexual immorality. And we were going to be reading from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, and we're going to be starting right in verse 12. And I'm going to go ahead and read that for you guys, and I think Paul does a great job. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It reads, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the stomach and stomach for foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual morality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, this entire series we've been going through 1 Corinthians, and I'm not going to give this huge summary, but what we've seen is that Corinth is like almost like this social media church of today. When you think about it, and I'm not, not, not throwing any shade on any churches that are strictly on social media. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is that everything they did was publicized. Everything they did was made known. Everything they did was out there in the public realm. The world knew what was going on. So they were almost like this social experiment of the day where how far could you push the boundaries of this Christian rule set that we have in the Bible, this Christian rule set that Paul gave us so that we can sort of do what we were doing before but also still be good with God. How, how does that work out? What does that look like? And that's kind of what you see. You know, you see, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Peter, I follow this, I follow Christ. And that's something that we broke down already in terms of that. But 
that's kind of what you see with Corinth. And the world around the church at Corinth is staring straight at them. There is a mix of religions and the things that you can do. And, 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 and to jump straight to the topic, what we see is sexual immorality in the religions that are around Corinth is ingrained in each and every single one of these religions. And Paul is trying to have the Corinthians be a huge step away from that, a huge step out, one that glorifies God, one that puts things into perspective. They're not supposed to blend in. They're, post, they're supposed to stand out. And that's not what's happening here. On top of that, what we talked about last week and what Dr. Pete Allison did a great job on was taking people to court. Why, why would Christians be taking other Christians to court? This is something that we should be able to deal with within the confines of what God has laid out for us. And the Corinthians couldn't even do that. So now we have a church that has problems, they have drama amongst each other, and they even have really, really bad sexual problems that they're allowing to happen in the church that not even the world would have happened. And in that case, you have a son sleeping with his stepmom, and that's like a no-no in, in that day, and in, in, you know, it's a no-no today. <laughs> but they're letting things like that happen. And Paul is saying, you should get these people out. Why are they even here? Don't even associate yourself with these types of people. But what we talk about today in, in, in chapter 6, starting in verse 12, goes really, really deep into the ramifications of what sexual immorality does. Not only for the church, not only for our own bodies, but also what it does in separating us from the beauty and glory of God. So as we dive into this, I, I, I want you guys to know that there is a seriousness that God has placed since the beginning, since Genesis, on our bodies. We were intended to fulfill a very great purpose. And Satan has nonstop tried to make sure that that purpose is blurred, that that purpose doesn't seem like what we think it is. And the things that we now today think are natural, being, you know, lust and, and, and looking at, you know, the opposite sex and feeling lust and maybe even the same sex and, and feeling like you want to be with that. And we think that's natural. So we think that's okay because we think that's the way God designed us to be. But it goes so much deeper than that. And that's not what it is. What we're seeing is the result of sin deteriorating the human nature. So my main point, if there's anything that I want you guys to take away from all of this today, it is this. I want you guys to honor God. But to honor God, we must remain purified by the sacrifice of Christ in both spirit and body. So, what we see so far, Corinth is a talented church, but they're full of immature Christians. They're caught on the words of Apollos or Paul, and they're trying to get whatever doctrine makes them, allows them to be able to do the things they want to do. And now Paul has gotten to the point where at first he was saying, I'm not saying these things to shame you. But now he's like, no, I'm straight up shaming you because this, this God does not play with. My first point for you guys is this, and I think that it's, 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 it's pretty simple. It's pretty clear. Our bodies are made for God. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go back and, and, and read everything, read, read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 20, but if you guys ever kind of wanted a, just a straight shot as to what Paul is trying to say in terms of the thought 
behind what Paul is writing and you just kind of wanted to read through this for what it is, I, I really implore you guys to read the New Living Translation version of this because it is, it is straightforward. Um, but basically what we see in verses 12 through 14 is that Christians don't get any special liberties. And in the case of what's happening here, we don't get any special liberties in regards to sex and what that looks like in a, the context of Christianity. It just doesn't work. Matter of fact, we don't even get special liberties with anything. Now, we don't get special liberty with lies. We don't get special liberties with, with uh, gluttony. We don't get special liberty with pride. Matter of fact, it, some people, I don't, I don't know what they think when they become Christians that now they feel like, oh, now I have this power to be able to do things. No, it's the, actually the exact opposite. We're now spending the rest of our Christian lives chipping away at our human nature, chipping away at our flesh and getting less and less of that and putting more and more of Christ in it. It's almost as if we're giving up our liberties. And I think Paul paints, paints it so clearly. When he says that you were once a slave to flesh, you were once a slave to sin, you were once a slave to Satan, but now you are a slave to righteousness. You are a slave to God. You are a slave to the gospel. If Christ truly impacted your life, if Christ truly changed you, if you truly humbled yourself and repented, then you would be going nonstop 100% after his will, after the things that he's designed to do and really spreading his gospel, it just burns so deeply in you that you would not be able to stop. But what happens is sometimes we get so puffed up, we get so prideful in the things that we know that now we think we can start to justify things as Christians. And, and, and let me paint this in a more modern picture. Marvel has been coming out with some great movies. For those people who were comic book fans back in the day, and now Marvel has, the Marvel Studios have been putting out all these great superhero movies, and it almost feels like you can relive your childhood. But guarantee you, each and every single one of those movies has some type of agenda they're pushing on a sexual morality scale. I've seen it in every single movie. I've seen it in, in past movies that I thought are great movies. But then you look back at them, there's always this one sex joke or this one like homosexuality agenda push or this one like, oh, you can have multiple girlfriends, you can have multiple boyfriends or, you know, uh, having multiple people in your relationship or cheating on somebody is okay. And these types of innuendos are pushed in all of these movies. It's pushed in our culture. It's pushed in our society. Yet somehow we as Christians have now justified sitting down and watching these movies and saying, it was a good movie. Or, or maybe what we like to do is, let me just fast forward through that part. And you know, Sometimes I have to ask myself, am I taking a special liberty in watching this movie as a Christian? Am, am, I, am I, you know, when they curse, when they're saying all these things, you know, I, and... You know, maybe maybe I'm just being way too strict. Maybe I'm being way too direct. Maybe I'm being way too literal with the Bible and saying this. And, you know, or maybe I'm just too old school, right? Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe I need to get rid of everything. Maybe I just need to be that hermit that lives in a house with his wife, his kid, and I should go be an Amish person because that, that's the greatest way to do it, right? But ask yourself, are you, are you taking any special liberties in watching a movie like this? Now, if you're having that question with, you know, watching a movie, what, what, 
what should I give up? What should I not give up? What can I watch? What can I not watch? And then all of a sudden now we're going on all these websites and there are all these apps as to what's a good Christian movie and all this. We have to do so much research as Christians to figure out what is safe for us to watch. And, and, and more often than not, a lot of parents think about this from their side that like, I got to make sure I'm watching something that's safe for my children. But let's look at it differently. What are you watching that's safe for your relationship with Christ? Is a Marvel movie really going to give you any benefit with your relationship from Christ? I, you can answer that question. I'm pretty sure you know the answer to that. But think about it. Is a Marvel movie something that's safe for your relationship with Christ? Does it benefit it? Does it keep it neutral? Does it tear it down? Or maybe there's some subliminal messaging that you're not really taking into account. And now it's changing your perspective on things. I mean, is Christ not entertaining? Is Christ work? Is the gospel work? So much so that you need to de-stress and decompress with a movie, with a video game, with other forms of entertainment? Can we not enjoy God's presence? Is that not entertaining? Is that not a place where we can come decompress, de-stress in His presence? In today's day and age, I mean, I've even fallen case and saying, yeah, sometimes a video game is the way I, I, I decompress. And even in video games, oh my goodness, even in video, matter of fact, I feel like even more so in video games. For, for those of you who are not into video games, but your kids are, or people around you are, I mean, you have no idea how deep, I mean, put it this way, a movie is anywhere between an hour and a half to three hours long. A video game to complete it can be anywhere between five hours and if it's like a really expensive video game, 40 hours to complete and sometimes even 100 hours to complete. That means this video game has the attention of our mind for, 40, for anywhere between five and 100 hours putting in whatever agenda they want to put in. And you tell me if that's something that's safe for your relationship with Christ. If that's safe for your kids' relationships with Christ, do you know what they're playing? Or are you just letting them be entertained? Things that we think are natural aren't necessarily the way God intended for us to be. There has been much debate as to whether or not homosexuality, gay tendencies, the want for the opposite sex or being bisexual or wanting a gender change and, and, and all these different things. But it's so much debate on whether or not something like that is natural. Is that something that's natural for the human complex, for the human psyche? Is, that, are we, is there a gene? Are we born this way and we can't change it? Let, let me tell you, the, 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 since Genesis, human nature has constantly been degrading itself. We were created to be image bearers of God. We were created to be His workforce, His place to worship. We were created to be in a relationship with the Almighty God. But we fell from that. Yet He, he was so loving that He sent His Son to die on the cross. But we fell from that. 
we don't know what real human nature is. Let me just say that straight, that we really do not know what real human nature is like. We don't know what that is like to experience it because Adam sinned and we sinned. We don't get to know what that we all because we're constantly as Christians fighting our flesh. We're constantly as Christians fighting our urges. We're constantly fighting things that we just say, I, I want to do that, but I shouldn't do that, but I should be doing this. We don't know what real human nature is like because we have fallen from that. So the things that we think are natural. I mean, as a high school kid, I would look at every beautiful woman that was walking by me. I didn't care what age it was. What age, sorry, not it. What age they were. And it was all lust. I just thought they were pretty. And when I got to the point where I knew things that I shouldn't have known, I started to undress them in my mind. I started to think about what it is our life would be like if we were together. And what those experiences would be like. That, you would say, is natural for a high school kid to have those types of feelings. Oh yeah, that's natural. That's a natural tendency. But is it? Is that what God intended us to Did God intend our bodies to look at every single person of the opposite sex, or in some cases the same sex, and think that's somebody I want to undress and be in a very sexual way with them. That's not natural. It's not natural for the human body to want to do that. That's not what God originally intended. And the human body can't even take on so many partners. And we'll, we'll get into that in point two, but really what you think is natural is not natural. When your child lies to you, you would think, oh, that's just a natural tendency. No, that's a natural tendency of sin. That's sinful nature. That's the type of nature we're dealing with. That's the things that we think are natural. And what ends up happening is we, in our Christian mindset, we start to say, well, this is the way humans feel. This is what's natural. This is this. This is the way we were designed. So therefore, God must have intended some other purpose for this. Absolutely not. Don't confuse the nature of sin and the nature of God. They don't mix. And when they, you start to mix them, you end up with the mess that is the church of Corinth. You end up with the mess of one person taking another person to court to sue them in front of everybody when something like this could have, be, could have been dealt with within the church. You end up with so much messed up nonsense in the church that you can't even tell the difference between the church and the world. Sinful nature is not natural. It is not what God intended us to do. But the problem is we adopted that into our lives and we traded this wonderful image that we had with God and we decided to put sin in. And that's what we're doing as Christians. We're removing our sinful nature and we're putting in the nature that God intended. And whether you believe me or not, I always have, every time I've told this to people, I always have that one, you know, those few people that were like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe that. And I have other guys that say, like, I don't believe you at all. But truly, when I came to Christ and when I decided I wanted to settle down and I wanted to marry, and it's not like I just rushed through that, <laughs> but I really stopped looking at women as just, <laughs> to be honest, as just a partner that I could be with in bed. I stopped looking at them that way and I started to see 
children of the Almighty God. And in my speakings with them, in my talking with them, and in my search for a wife, things became very, very different. And now that I'm married, this actually isn't something that I struggled with. And I, you know, I'll be straightforward. In high school, pornography was something that I was addicted to. I mean, nonstop. To be honest, it was just a thing. Everyone was doing it. All of my friends were doing it. Everyone was into it. And, and, and I had friends of mine texting me links. Oh, check this one out. And we would make jokes about it. It was just a thing. It was natural, right? In a, in a sinful way. It was me indulging in my sinful nature. It was, that was it. But when I repented, when I came to Christ, dude, it was a 180 degree turn. And I, it, it, it's not to say that those temptations haven't even come up. But to be honest, squashing those things have been much easier. And it wasn't an easy journey for me to sort of build up that, that um, how do I say it, um, that tolerance for that temptation. It, it wasn't like from here I am and then all of a sudden I met Christ and now I can tolerate these things. And now this temptation doesn't bother me. That's not how to win. There was a lot of work that went in between. There was a lot of addiction that was being broken down. There was a lot of studying. There was a lot of reading. There was a lot of praying. There was a lot of searching the scriptures. There was a lot of spending time with Christ to remove that sinful nature. But if I didn't do that time spending, if I didn't do that soul-searching, scripture-diving, it, it just wouldn't have happened. And this is what oftentimes happens with a lot of the people that I speak to on the subject. They come to Christ. They recognize what they're doing is wrong. They get to the other side, but they don't dig in. All of a sudden, they feel like, now i got to mesh my sinful nature with this new nature that I have. And they create this mutant Christian that doesn't resemble anything what the Bible sees. And it, it ends up looking like the church of Corinth. They don't take the time to sit there and seek the scriptures and know what it means to be entertained by God. To know what it means to enjoy God's presence. It's not just a set of rules to live my life by. It's not just that this is the morality that I have adopted and this is the reason why I vote the way I do and these are my values and my ideologies because I am marked as a Christian. It, it, it's, it goes so much deeper than that. It's truly a relationship. And because of all that, I see women totally differently. Our bodies are made for God. But if you don't know what God intended for your bodies, then you're just putting your body out there. You're dressing the way you want to dress. You're watching the things you want to watch. You're doing the things with your body that you want to do. You're pushing the limits of what you think romance, sex, love, and Christ is like. You're really stretching those things because you don't actually know what God intended for your body. And it becomes a problem. Because of our lustful appetites, we have this messed up church society that we have today. And it's sad. I don't, I don't need to tell you the number of pastors that have sexually harassed women. I don't need to tell you about the number of same-sex things that go on in the church I, don't, I, I, I can go on and on. I can give you statistics. I can talk about divorce, how now divorce is, did marriage is just a joke. Even in, even in the church, 
marriage is just a joke. Matter of fact, more so in the church, I feel like marriage is just a joke. And, 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 and I, I, I can go on and on and, and give you details and lists and numbers to paint how messed up the church is. But that's the problem. Our church has adopted this sin nature and now we're justifying what's right. Now we're trying to take special liberties with what it means to be a Christian and it just doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, all right, your, your social media has now put the world inside the church. We can't live and breathe and understand what's I mean, before without text messages and without phones and without all this communication, right? You were in your little spot. You would go to your church and everybody was there. That's where everybody's meeting place was. And that's where everybody got the gossip and the drama. And, and, and now the world is so connected digitally, so connected virtually, that things that are going on on the other side of the world affect what goes on here at home. Social media is telling us what to think. Movies are telling us what to think. Video games are telling us what to think. Your news anchors, whether they're Republican or Democrats or whatever, are telling you what to think. But how many of you are sitting down with Christ, with the Bible, and saying, God, what do you think? What do you think about all this? And really seek what he says. And going back to what was already preached about and following Paul, following Apollos and all this stuff, are you just taking the words of, of, of you know, my words? Are you just taking Bishop's words, Aldo's words, you know, Dr. Pete's words on, on what God thinks? What, what, what? What have you searched? What have you looked for? What have you prayed about that you can come up to me and say, this is what God thinks? My point two, our bodies are joined to Christ. Christ gave his body for us and did not prostitute himself to Satan. How could we treat him in the opposite way? And in this time frame in the Church of Corinth, for, for religious people, and, and not necessarily just Christianity, but other religions that are going on and the, and the other cultures that are around them, it's actually okay for you to, you know, that's like a thing you do. You go and you get a prostitute and you enjoy yourself with her. But then you go back to your family. That was a normal thing. And Corinth is trying to sort of regularize that. Like they're trying to make that a normal thing that you can do even as a Christian. You can go get a prostitute. You can go and have those sexual encounters or have a casual sex sex partner outside of your marriage that God and you know that you you're trying to be in the same way that Christ is one with the body. We should be one with our wives. You know, you're trying to sort of get what you want from the world and get what you need from Christ and live both at the same time and it just didn't work. And it doesn't work. It still doesn't work. But outside of that, outside of looking at it from that perspective, I mean, let's let's just be honest. If <laughs> if somebody died for you and you're just even the slightest of a decent person, you feel like you owe your life to them. And 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 you you feel like you owe them everything. Because now you get to breathe more breaths than they ever did because of the sacrifice they paid for you. Christ went way above and beyond that. 
Christ was tempted by Satan. Christ was along, you know, on this earth dealing with the same exact temptations inside of a human body, dealing with the natural tendencies, so to speak. And let me tell you, <clears throat> Christ is God. It's not like Christ looked at a woman and said, oh, should I think about undressing her in my head and lust that way? No, Christ didn't lust. He actually lived and walked the way human nature was intended to be. You want to know what human nature is actually supposed to look like? You want to know what human nature looks like when it's truly walking the way it should be walked without sin being in the mix? Take a look at Christ. Take a look at everything that he did. Take a look at all the words that he said, the challenges he put out, the, 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 the work that he did. That is what human nature looks like. And, you know... Sometimes people struggle with the whole concept. Of, oh, Christ is 100% human, 100% God. But how does that work? How can you be 100% human and 100% God? You can't be 200%. No, no, no. Christ is, 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 is Christ. He's 100% God. But what he did was showed us what it looks like when you're actually being an image bearer of God. That is what real human nature looks like. And if we want to walk in that human nature, the way God intended us to be, the way we were designed to be, the way we were created to be, then we need to join our bodies to Christ. And if you call yourself a Christian, you should be joined to Christ. You shouldn't be doing anything that Christ didn't do. We should be trying to do everything that Christ did. And, and, and that's what ends up happening. We end up prostituting ourselves to the world. And even worse... Not just physically prostituting our bodies, we prostitute our minds with the things of sex. I mean, commercials are sex. Every movies are sex. We went on, went on this in, in point one. But there's so much sexual immorality put in every single thing that we see, every single topic that sometimes we talk about. And, and I used to, I used to, even when I, I, even after I came to Christ, I used to laugh at those Little sex jokes that here and there where someone said something and every guy knows this joke. That's what she said. And there have been many times where a situation comes up and I'm the one saying that. As a Christian, what do you think my mind is at? My mind isn't on the things of Christ. Literally, someone said one sentence or one phrase or one word and my mind went straight to sex. That is what has been indoctrinated into me growing up. Yet, I'm saying I'm joined to Christ. And at the same time, I'm allowing thoughts of sex to be amongst me and my brothers in Christ. To be amongst me and the Bible. And I will tell you that in overcoming my addiction to pornography, and I dive deep into reading. To be honest, the temptation was strongest when I was reading the Word, when I wanted to pray. It's almost as if every single time I wanted to step away from it and, and seek Christ, that temptation would just rise up stronger than it ever would before. And sometimes I thought it would be okay to mix the two. I thought if I prayed enough, if I sought Christ enough, then that little sin that I, sexual sin that I did would be covered. Because I only spent a minute here and I spent 
four hours over here. I thought I could justify things like that. I thought I could be joined with Christ and at the same time be joined with all my disgusting, nasty, unnatural sexual thoughts. And let me tell you something that, <laughs> to be honest, most of the people who have these issues in the church sometimes don't really dig deep in their word and they stay on the surface. They want to hear what makes everything work. They want to hear that it's okay. They want to hear that that sometimes is the worst advice. I tripped, I fell, and you just want to say, hey, that's okay. It's all right if you slipped and you watched that video. That if you, it's all right if you slipped and you, and you watched that movie. You just got to get yourself back up and keep going. No, 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 no. Let's not play games here. Paul's not playing games. And he, he started this whole thing off with, before he was like, I'm not trying to say this to shame you. We're at the whole like, I'm trying to shame you now. This is this portion of, 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 of chapter 6. That's not okay. It is not okay to watch porn. It is not okay to watch a movie that is pushing some type of sex agenda. It is not okay to sexualize Pepsi. It is not okay to sexualize Coke. It is not okay to sexualize a product. It is not okay to sexualize anything. And matter of fact, it's not even okay to think about going... Oh, man. And let me put it this way. This is like a big thing in America. Like right before you get married, what do most bachelor and bachelorette parties do? They go straight to a strip club. That is not okay. They want to get their last hurrah before they're locked down and they're locked out of the market or whatever. And that's what Christians want to do. Oh, I'm about to be a Christian. Let me get my last hurrah before I join my body with Christ. It does not work that way. And another thing. And, and, and our bodies being joined, casual, casual sex just does not exist anywhere in the Bible. It's not a thing you get to do. And let me put this in, 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 in a completely different context outside of just sexual intercourse. Even being romantic, touchy-feely, making out, um, you know, getting, feeling, feeling up, right, on somebody, right? Those are all things that are insinuating some type of sexual move, some type of sexual desire. That cannot be casual. You don't just get to do that. It, here's another, a lot of people who, who are Christians, who are in the dating game, dating in your 30s is hard or whatever, and, and, and then you're trying to find a wife, but you're also trying to be Christian. I mean, even they justify a makeout session. Even they justify feeling somebody up. Because they don't go the distance, right? They don't, they, don't, they don't cross the line. They don't cross the barrier. Casual sex of any kind is not okay. Making any kind of sexual move, sexual advance, even if it's okay on both parties, in the case of what we're seeing in the Bible, that's not okay. I mean, you, if you're really joined with Christ, you can control yourself. If you can't control yourself, you should really dig in. And make sure your relationship is right with Christ. Make sure you're actually joined with his body. Because if not, just like when they talked about earlier, and, and, and when Paul talked about earlier, burning up the house that was built and what's left, 
is going to be a testament to what's true. It's going to be a testament to who you are. God will be your judge. Things like that can't be casual. A feel-up, a handhold, they can't just be casual. What's your intention behind everything that you're doing in all of your relationships? And this is what ends up happening. Even as Christians, even when you're married, sometimes we can justify a handhold from somebody else that's not my wife or my husband. Sometimes we think we can justify putting my arm around somebody or we can justify a hug. But in our heads, that hug isn't just a regular hug to say hello or to say goodbye, right? That's like a different type of hug. That's a different type of handhold because you actually have some type of affection or feeling. Then that keeps growing and that keeps growing. And all of a sudden, now you can't contain yourself. And you decide to prostitute yourself. It's not you. It's not the prostitute's fault. It's your fault. It's the individual's fault. Because your body truly wasn't joined to Christ. Sex outside of marriage, and I mean sex in every single sense, not just intercourse. Really, any type of time where you're lusting. Sex outside of marriage is like a man robbing a bank. He gets something, but it's not his. That's not me. I, I, I didn't write that. that was a, I got that from a commentary, and I forgot to write down the author. So he, gets, he or she gets the credit. Um, but sex within marriage can be like a person putting money into a bank. There's safety, security, and they will collect dividends. Sex within the context of what Paul is talking about with what the Bible talks about, makes sense. It works. And that's why you see strong, really strong, true Christian people who are, are, are in marriage. You see very, very strong relations. You can almost talk with them. They're so friendly. They're so genuine. It's so real. And you can also tell when people are being fake with their marriages as well. Casual sex does not exist. Our bodies are meant to be joined to Christ. My last point. And I'll be wrapping up with this. Our body is a temple bought at a high price and it's meant to glorify God. Your body is a temple for God. And if you want to make sure that temple stays clean, if you want to make sure that temple stays pure, then the first thing you need to do is run away from this. Don't even associate yourself with any type of sexual morality. And this is why I bring up that question, should you be watching that movie? Should you be watching that Marvel movie? Should you be watching that Disney movie? Should you be watching Star Wars? Right? Really? Are you truly running away from sexual morality? Or are you letting it seep in here and there and then sort of squashing it and then letting it seep in again and sort of squashing it until you build up and you can't compress it anymore? Run away from it. You shouldn't be letting it seep in anywhere in your life because our body is a temple. And above that, the fact that our body is a temple, what we see is that our body was given to us. It was something that was provided to us. God was the one who gave that to us. And who are we to give that away? You should be running away at every chance you get because we are supposed to be keeping our bodies clean, our bodies pure. Christ 
paid an insanely high price. Not for dirty temples. He paid a high price for pure, clean, righteous temples. Don't solely your temple. Don't solely your body. And what we see out in, um, in verse 19, sorry, verse 20, um, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If our bodies belong to Jesus, we have no right to be idle with it. I want to take this also a little step outside of just sexual morality. This statement is powerful. If our bodies truly belong to Jesus, we have no right to be idle, wasteful, or destructive with what belongs to Him. Our bodies should be put to use glorifying God every single chance we get. And I think Spurgeon put this beautifully. Your body was a willing horse when it, was, when it was in the service of the devil. Basically, when you were a sinner, you were all out sinning. You were ready to sin. You were all up in your sin. And it was okay. As a matter of fact, you kept doing it and doing it and doing it because it felt right. It felt good. You were a willing horse when you were in service to the devil. Let it not be a sluggish hack now that it draws the chariot of Christ. If you were so straight up all up in your sin, then... How come you're going to be a slacker when it comes to Christ? If you're truly a Christian, that same push you were going in the opposite direction, take all that momentum, reverse it, and push hard for Christ. This is the challenge I want to leave you guys with. What have you approved? What have you justified that God has not? And are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to give those things up for His glory? All right, that's it. I think 42 minutes is enough.